Light beer, dark money. Agree on something. Politics, culture, and the intersection of faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And now, live from the Star Worldwide Network Studios, here are your hosts, Light Beer, Chris Clements, and Dark Money, Sean Noble. And welcome back to Yet's. Another exciting edition of Light Beer, Dark Money. I am Light Beer Man Chris Clements. And that on the screen, for those of you who are watching online or some distant location, is Sean Noble zooming in from the Beverly Hills. How are you? Good, Sean. Where they do the Golden Globes. Yes, they do do the Golden Globes there. And they just redid that hotel not too long ago. Uh, During the... uh, I, th- I think during COVID, or right before that, maybe. I don't know. But it's all, all been redone. It's all the scaffolding years ago. But uh, rather, we have another podcast that talks about what, what Sean is doing there. But what we really want to talk about right now is the fact that there was a party at the White House the other day. Did you see it? James Taylor? <laughs> I did see it. And uh, they were celebrating the Inflation Reduction Act. At on this at literally the same time, the new inflation numbers came out, and guess what? Inflation continues to go up. It's at eight point three percent year over year nationally, and here in the Great Valley of the Sun, uh, it is thirteen percent. Yeah, we leave the nation here 13. in in Phoenix Metro in Arizona, thirteen percent, and uh, that number is not coming down anytime soon. We, we have the some of the highest gas prices also. We're we're some some locations across uh, the fruited plain are seeing some reductions in gas prices. We are not seeing that here in Arizona, and it, it's causing people some consternation when they have to make choices between food and gas. And so, energy, you know, well, I will energy and 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 uh, food continue to be a vexing part of this this economy. Well, and I I was as I was walking to the hotel today, I came across this i don't know if you can see that those are the gas prices in beverly hills oh yeah 658 yeah yeah so uh, they were as high as seven during the summer i mean it's it might be coming down not good not good for the american consumer uh not good for democrats because they really did think that they could you know inflation would start to taper off and not be an issue for the election but here we are you know six weeks away, seven weeks away. And uh, it doesn't look like it's letting up. Yeah. It's, it, it looks really bad. And uh, the, the, you know, the criticism of the brain dead nature of continuing a party on the white house lawn of this nature is completely valid. I mean, you, you, they had to have had a heads up of what those numbers were going to be. They continue to dismiss that. Well, there's really no change. It's you know 8.3 percent over last year, but um, but then the you know when you look at producer pricing, when you look at everything going on, uh, you know with with even with a possible rail strike, which looks like it's been averted, but what a complete and total disaster that has been because of Joe Biden's uh, proclivity to the uh, to the unions and 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 those who got him elected, and it, it, this week could not be worse for for liberal democrats well it certainly isn't a good week and 
and I think the, you know, we, we have been seeing over the last few weeks, all these stories about how the red wave is really not going to be a red wave and Democrats have a better chance of keeping the Senate and they might even be able to keep the house. I've been reading a lot about Nancy Pelosi saying we're going to keep the house. Um, but I think that, and, and Biden's numbers have tipped, ticked up slightly. Uh, I think that was a, uh, kind of a mirage, a, a, a mirage. That's a good way to put it. Uh, and you know, real people paying attention to what's happening in their lives, the economy in their pocketbook, especially the swing voters who will make the difference in these elections. They're just now starting to pay attention to politics and they're not happy. And, uh, that's not going to be good for Biden's party. Uh, which means that it's it's going to probably help most Republican candidates here in Arizona. I think it's going to be a very interesting dynamic. I feel like the governor's race is leaning towards the Republicans. I think the Senate race, you have to give the advantage to Kelly at this point, a slight advantage. Um, but then you've got some congressional races where I think you're going to see the Republican beat the Democrat incumbent. Uh, or in Juan Ciscolani's case, he's going to take that open seat. But uh, Eli Crane is likely to beat Tom O'Halloran in the big rural district of eastern Arizona. And that, that so I'm glad you bring that up because those are both huge pickups here in the state of Arizona. It changes the dynamic of the delegation uh, really completely. And uh, for oh, Eli Crane, oops. yeah, I mean, for Eli Crane uh, to be doing as well as he has, newcomer um, uh, to politics and, and really – I think probably running a really good grassroots fundamental campaign uh, has, has obviously had some good advice, but, but you know, Tom is nowhere to be found in that district. And I think that's what, what is happening there. What's your assessment? Well, I think that's been his problem since he first got elected. Sure. He's just not worked the district the way that, I mean, you think about when that district was first created, the first member of Congress on the huge sprawling district was Rick Renzi. Yes. And he worked that district really hard for years and years and years. People got used to, Hey, our member is going to be here uh, in these small towns doing these things uh, on a regular basis. Uh, then Ann Kirkpatrick won the seat and she did a decent job. She was here and there. Uh, but because of the whole uh, Obamacare vote, uh, that made it very challenging for her. Uh, and then, uh, you, you know, O'Halloran gets elected and he really hasn't worked the district at all. Yeah. And, and it's a, you know, a sprawling, I mean, traditionally speaking, it's been reworked a little bit, but it, it's just a sprawling district, you know, emanating from Flagstaff all the way through, uh, the Navajo reservation, eking down into, um, Taylor and, and all, that whole area, and then your hometown of Sholo and Pine Top, and and then and then it goes all the way down through Globe, and then curves around into Pinal County and and Casa Grande. And it, it ironically enough, that's where I, I've traveled that district a lot. I know uh, I know that district very 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 well because we did business there for however many decades, and. It's an interesting dish. It's fundamentally conservative, very fundamentally conservative, except for parts, of, of course, of Flagstaff because of the university. But the outskirts are, are, you know, traditional Democrat working class. If 
folks. And so the, the, you know, the vision and, and the, the principles, conservative principles, actually play very, very well in that district. Yeah, it's it's a growing up in Sholo, you know, I got to know what, uh, you know, what they call Pinto Democrats were, you know, they're the conservative Democrats that were part of the Reagan Democrats uh, revolution. They're old school, uh, traditional, you know, they go back, their grandpa was an FDR fan. Sure. Um, but uh, they certainly are conservative when it comes to the cultural issues. And man, in the last few years, the Democrat Party has run screaming away from these types of people. So it's very, very challenging for Democrats uh, to hold. I mean, we most it's almost all Republicans in the state legislature in this area. Uh, and uh, it's just kind of a, an anomaly in some ways that O'Halloran has been there as a Democrat. But I think that's going to change this year. Well, and you have to work the district. You have to be willing to go speak with everyone and talk with everybody and know the differences in your constituencies as well. I mean, especially as, as heavily weighted um, as the, uh, the reservations are there. You have to, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to go speak to the Navajos or I'm not going to go speak to the Apaches or I'm not going to go. I'm just, because I don't think they're traditionally, you know, Republican voters, but, but that's not true at all because all they wanted is to be seen and heard and understood. Uh, the vast majority of that constituency voted for John McCain every election. And it was because he spent a lot of time up there. Yeah, and he followed the footsteps of Barry Goldwater in that regard. Absolutely. Barry Goldwater spent a lot of time up there. Um, so I think that that, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is going to be, from, from the state's standpoint, it's going to be very interesting. One of the things, and it's a little pivot, yeah. is going to be very interesting to watch, is what is Katie Hobbs thinking about that's a great pivot by the way i what i how do you not you're you're well first of all she didn't debate during the primary either which i did not know um but how do you not you're you're gonna be you want to be the governor of one of the fastest growing states in the union and you don't want to debate your opponent because she might say crazy things or you might disagree with the crazy things she says. And, but, oh, but really it's because you can't maybe put two sentences together or five thoughts in sequence. And it's going to make you maybe look bad. And at the same time, you would think the polling, at least if you believe the polling where it is, you would want to debate. You have to debate. So where do you see that going? Well, it, for me, it's 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 astounding because it, I, I'm with you. I just don't understand how you can run for the top spot in the state and not have a debate about the issues. And the excuse that, oh, Carrie Lake's going to say crazy things and all she wants to do is make her, her look bad, that, that doesn't make any sense. And a lot of people say, well, look, debates don't really matter. Um, and how many people really are paying attention? And uh, what I say to that is, the fact that she's dodging the debate will now become a campaign issue, which gives the late campaign and those associated with her the opportunity to say, you know, it's in some ways that they, they can actually make a character hit on Katie for being a coward. Yes. Now, it, yes. and that's not issue related. 
And so that's going to have some resonance with people who don't really care about the issues that much. So they now candid Lake a pretty good uh, hit, um, but for no good reason, because I mean, the fact that she dodges this debate, I mean, the expectations for her would be so low anyway, that if she would a were able to get through it with only a couple little stumbles and not really saying anything crazy, uh, she'd be fine. But the upside is that if she did a good zinger on Lake or had a good retort or, you know, got aggressive on something, it would be seen as this big, oh, Katie Hobbs really won the debate. Um, you know, she has such a low bar and the expectations game. It's almost a no lose yeah. to do the debate. I just uh, it's it's all downside for Lake to do the debate because, you know, her the expectations would be that she's supposed to wipe the floor. So uh, I, I do find it interesting that she's dodged it and she's handed Carrie Lake an issue that a lot of people, the, the chattering class, the conventionalism say, oh, it doesn't really matter. But I think people care about whether you have courage. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. And it just seems unfathomable to me that you're a, like I said before, a candidate for a statewide office. You should be willing and able and, 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 and excited to debate your opponent on the issues. And uh, she can she can paint Carrie Lake all she wants. I uh, I'll give Carrie some credit. She's what I'm hearing is that she's reaching out to a, to every Republican that she can. She's doing a lot of grassroots meetings. She's she's trying to bring the party together for this for this election. I think that's reflected in the polling. So I mean, this is this. Yeah, you're right. It's I've, it's Katie's. You know, to, it's her game. Well, and, and, you know, I don't, I, Katie has not done, I don't think, a, as good a job of unifying her side uh, as, as Carrie has Carrie, yes. for the Republican side, which is, which is totally different than what I would have expected. Um, and I think that Lake meeting with Ducey was important. Uh, and, you know, you have a lot of people coalescing now around Lake because they understand that, you know, these, this office is super important to our, our everyday lives. It's definitely more impactful to our daily life than the president. For well, and I think you, you look around and you see what's happening in California with, I mean, there's just the mess that is California. And, and we've both, you're there right now uh, looking at what the gas prices are. And I'm sure you've seen the homeless issue. That's pretty much everywhere there now. And, and and the different issues of law and order, and we don't want that for the state. We absolutely do not want the, that for the state. That's why I I actually think the two biggest elections are are uh, for Maricopa County Attorney and also for the governorship because it's going to and the Attorney General. I think it's it's going to set the stage for where Arizona goes in the future, and people need to be paying attention. Well, there's no question that the uh, the county attorney's race is really really critical. Uh, I think Rachel Mitchell uh, has done a good job in the short time that she's been in, in that appointed position. Uh, her Democrat opponent, Julie Gunungill, uh, is a radical. I mean, she she's, she's a deep fully she's fully candidate. supported by George Soros, who who yeah. is is a defund the police uh, cash no no cash bail you know advocate, and so is she. Yeah, and that's just uh, if mean, you look at the results of that across the country. Happened, 
You know, and you look at what what just happened in Illinois. They passed a law where it's it's basically no cash bail for anybody committing murder, assault, anybody, and it's going to release you know hundreds and hundreds of felons onto the streets of Illinois. That's what she wants to do for the, you know, the great state of Maricopa, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, crazy. And then if you look at the attorney general's race. I mean, this is one that is important because the attorney general has a lot of ability to, uh, there's some things they can do, but there's a lot of things that they can muck up in the sense that think about if you have Carrie Lake as governor and Chris Mays is the attorney general, Chris Mays is going to be suing the governor on a weekly basis. And that's just not a great way to run the state. So it's, it, it, it has impact. So if you are a supporter of Carrie Lake, you definitely need to be a supporter of Abe Amade for attorney general and not Chris Mays. Well, it seems like Abe is, and I don't know Abe, and, but it seems like he, he just released his, his advisory council and it seems like he's got some good folks on there, including our good friend, General McGuire, who's been on the show um, and some others. So th- yeah. that might bode well for him. I mean, even though the, the knock on him is his, his lack of experience, but if you surround yourself with good people ahead of time, who are serious and who understand, you know, the gravity of the job, you, you can be successful. Yes. Yes. That's a job that is very, very much a part of who you put around you. Yes. Because the, the workings of the attorney general's office are done by the staff. Uh, and, you know, he can set the policy, but the work is, you know, if, so if he's got people with experience and with knowledge, uh, there's a professionalism, uh, there that that can continue, then we'll be fine. Well, it's 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 a scary thought to be, you know, when you look at those other states I, I mentioned, Illinois and California. We look at the Antifa and Black Lives Matter issue in in Portland. Uh, I mean, my my cousin moved down here about a year and a half ago, fleeing from just lawlessness, sheer lawlessness. In Portland and in Oregon, and that's that is what these candidates, these other candidates who are supported by George Soros, who are the non-law and order candidates, want to bring to the state of Arizona, without a doubt. Yeah, and it's just it's something that I don't quite understand. I it it just strikes me as amazing that this is where we are, uh, and that something like what happened in Portland can now come to Arizona based on who we elect for county attorney. I mean, very possible because the county attorney sets the tone of who gets prosecuted. And if they say, oh, we're not going to prosecute these things, then it just it's it just opens the door to chaos. Yeah. Well, you mentioned another race, and I want to touch on that really quick in the time that we have, and that is Juan Siscomani's race down in the uh, People's Republic of Pima County. And that is an interesting race in that it was um, the um, – the redistricting commission basically carved that out out of a very kind of swath of airs of, of Tucson um, that, that, that leans Republican. And that's, that's a big deal. Well, it's a, it's a district. That, yeah. It, the, the, the makings of it are now more Republican leaning. It's an open seat because Kirkpatrick is retiring. Uh, and, uh, I think Juan's got a great shot. He's definitely in the top tier of the national pickup opportunities for the House. Uh, and so 
that race is getting a lot of attention in Washington, uh, as it should. He is a dynamic candidate, uh, and he's going to be a leader in Congress. I, I, one, I think he's going to win, and two, I think he's going to be a pretty effective leader that is going to be one of those rising stars. He's young, uh, and he's very smart. And so uh, <laughs> two things that Congress is not known for, young and smart. <laughs> <laughs> That that is true. I mean, that what is what is the average age of a of a congressman these days? Sixty? I think. Yeah, it's more than sixty for the House. Okay, but it's like Congress. the average for the Senate is close to eighty. Yeah, oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that is correct. <laughs> that is where we find ourselves today, and why we wonder why we have so many issues. But yeah, well, you know, I've known Juan for a while, and we're hoping to have him on this show. And Juan, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. And I ran into actually his uh, his campaign manager yesterday and, and mentioned that to him. Uh, they're running a good campaign. He's got a lot of support with uh, both the Hispanic community and the business community down in Tucson, and that's for, you know really important. Uh, there seems to be a, a unity there behind his candidacy that we've not seen in a while. Not probably not since Martha McSally ran the second time. Well, and, and the interesting thing about this is that this is, this is a race that when he wins, he'll be there for a while. This, this will be, uh, he will be the go-to guy for Southern Arizona. And uh, that's going to give him uh, a great platform. He'll be able to, you know, push his agenda. And, you know, I would fully expect that over the course of the next few years, uh, he'll be talked about for statewide office. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and what a contrast, right, in terms of the two districts down there between a Juan Siskamani, you know, a very conscious conservative and a complete and total leftist in Raul Grijalva that runs the entire machine in Tucson. Well, this will be th th that'll be fascinating to watch. Uh, and I would I'll put a prediction down right now that Juan wins. Republicans take the House, and Grijalva does not run for re-election next time. Well, that would be a great gift to Southern Arizona and the rest of the state, uh, for sure. And uh, and that and you might see some actual change, uh, and and some actual um, some different types. That's probably a safe Democratic seat for for a while, but you'll you'll probably see some different types of Democrats who want to run for that seat. Well, yeah, and, it, and I think that with any hope, it could be a more rational uh, center-line Democrat than the leader of the Progressive Caucus. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it's, it's, it's both a um, dis, you know, disconcerting time in, in our country, but it's also an exciting time for a lot of folks. So um, you know, hopefully we can get over this inflation hump, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon with – James Taylor singing fire and rain at the white house. Uh, yeah, I have seen fire and rain and it's called, it is called the bill. You guys are celebrating that is fire and rain, which exactly. is, which I mean, just going back to that is, is a, a gift to the greens and there's nothing in there that's going to do anything, but increase inflation, uh, increase energy costs, right. increase cost of families. Uh, it's, it, there's nothing. It, it's the build back broke part tray you know and it's it, it, it's sad uh that that, yeah. that was passed 
and it's going to hurt. Well, it's going to hurt working families. We, and we won't know the real results of that for even after until after the election because it's just the implementation of it's going to take time. It's not going to be good. Um, but you know, as we say every week, lots more to come because we're now seven weeks away from the election, and uh, it's going to be a ride. Well, so, and it's and and don't we'll forget this: it's it's tax time for a lot of businesses who file their taxes in both September and October. And just wait for those, you know, all those IRS agents that are going to be hired between now and next year. You know, that is yep. one one result of the election that I hope we're able to to grapple with, and that's defunding the IRS to the extent that we can. Well, at least, yeah, at least pull back the, the huge hiring spree yeah, of agents. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, lots more to talk about. Thank you all for listening. Sean, I hope you have a great conference out there. I miss you here next to me bantering away. But this has been great. And just remember, ladies and gentlemen, that this podcast is founded on the values of faith, freedom, and free enterprise, the great foundation of our country. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Thanks, everybody.